0: Welcome to the Daily Standard Podcast. I'm Eric Felton, joined today by Gordon Chang, author of The Coming Collapse of China, among other books on world affairs. Gordon, welcome to the Daily Standard Podcast. Thank you so much, Eric. Well, this is a big day. Earlier today, Xi Jinping was at the 19th Communist Party Congress in Beijing opening the ceremonies, and he delivered an epic three-and-a-half-hour speech titled Secure a decisive victory in building a moderately prosperous society in all respects and strive for the great success of socialism with Chinese characteristics for a new era. You almost said that. You almost (laughs) laughed.
1: (laughs) And why would I? Yeah. I mean, you know, this is I'd, I'd like to say, Eric, that this is unbelievable. But it's not because, unfortunately, what this does is it's reminiscent of the types of things coming out of Beijing in the Maoist period in the 50s and 1960s, um, you know, where everything is beautiful. Everyone loves the party. Party is marching in lockstep to a great Chinese nation. This is just, you know, this is dangerous in a sense. Um, and one of the things about this Congress uh if Xi Jinping does consolidate his power by breaking Communist Party norms that have been developed over the last two decades, um, you know these were norms that were developed in order to constrain party infighting. Um, if, if Xi Jinping breaks these, then we could see infighting in the future unrestrained by these rules and guidelines, and that is really dangerous. So what's an example of one of these rules or guidelines? Two of them that are, are, are people are looking at. One of them is called 7 Up, 8 Down. In other words, if you're 67 or younger, you are eligible for a term on the uh, Politburo Standing Committee. If you're 68 or older, you're not. There's a guy named Wang Qishan. He's 69. He is the in charge of the Party's uh, Central Commission for Discipline Inspection. In other words, the Quote unquote anti corruption agency. But Xi Jinping has been using um, the CCDI, as it's called, really as an element of his purge. And Wang Qishan has been his favorite lieutenant. A lot of people are saying that Wang is going to get another term on the standing committee. If he does, what this does is Xi Jinping can then say, look, these age limits, they're not absolute, which is what he said in the past. You know, they don't apply anymore because then he can go for a third, fourth, fifth term as general secretary when you're only supposed to have two. And the other thing that is really people are looking at is, you know, a general secretary, the guy who is at the top of the Communist Party, is supposed to name his successor by this Congress. If we don't have any hint of a successor to Xi Jinping, it looks like he's going beyond the normal two terms. In other words, a lifetime of Putin-esque sort of rule. And that's why people are looking at these rules and to get a hint of where China is going, you know, five, 10 years down the road. But if you're Xi Jinping and you're looking at the success that
0: uh, Vladimir Putin has had with staying in power and you say, wow, my nation is much more successful than Russia has been. Why shouldn't
1: I be awarded dictator-for-life powers? And that's why Xi Jinping took three and a half hours, count them, three and a half hours to sort of list his achievements and to say to the world and to the Communist Party, of course, how great am I? You know, Um, and so I think we really have got to understand the context of this. And although, you know, on the surface, I can laugh about it, nonetheless, I'm really concerned about the way China is going. You know, if Xi Jinping consolidates power, probably he's going... Going to continue his anti-reform uh, efforts, to sort of uh, bolster state enterprises, recreate state monopolies, close out foreign competitors, close out domestic Chinese competitors as a uh, you know entrepreneurs, um, re-centralize market uh, control of the financial markets and the currency markets, you know, these are really bad things. Plus also, you know, something that really concerns uh, the United States as a whole, not just our businesses, and that is, of course, you know, Xi Jinping is a nationalist. He talked in this speech about letting nobody divide the Chinese nation. His sense of what China is much larger than what you look at on a map because he thinks that China includes parts of India, parts of uh, Philippines, parts of South Korea, you know, parts of Japan. And so that brings us into conflict with not only our allies and friends, but also the United States, because in addition to all of this stuff, Xi Jinping does not believe in freedom of navigation, and we are the defender of the world's open architecture. We've been that way. If we've had any consistent foreign policy over the course of two centuries, it's defending the seas and the airways, and China is absolutely determined to close them off. So what did, what did she have to say
0: about economic policy? How do, how do you take what has been—it's it's still strong economic growth, but flagging and and revitalize it by injecting greater socialism as opposed to market freedoms?
1: Uh, Xi Jinping thinks you can do it. Um, I don't think that he can. I mean, the Chinese rulers have been better than I thought they could have postponed the effect of the laws of economics on China. They did that with massive stimulus program at the 2008 downturn. So for instance, they had a $486 billion stimulus program That's big. But what was really big is that in the five years after 2008, they created an amount of credit that was essentially equal to that of the entire U.S. banking system, even though at the end of 2008, uh, the Chinese economy was less than a third the size of America's. This was unparalleled, free money for everybody, forcing state banks just to lend. so, you know, they've been able to do this. Um, we saw another tremendous expansion of credit in 2016. Just uh, sorry about going into the weeds, but this gives you a dimension of where China is. Shadow banking debt, the most risky type of debt in China. It was under 100 trillion yuan in 2015. 2016, it shot up to about 250, 260 trillion yuan. What what is that in dollars? Well, you divide by about 6.7. But it doesn't really matter. You can see the increase in this. And this is the most um, uh, unsaleable... Um, the most risky type of indebtedness because this is what the state banks won't touch. So, you know, you're starting to see an incredible amount of debt in the system and that's why people think yeah, the Chinese have been able to create growth but the issue of growth rate which we all sort of really focused in on for decades really is not important. What's important right now is the creation of indebtedness because it is unprecedented. You can see a systemic debt crisis going forward. Xi Jinping, you know, uh, obviously depended on, on and having a lot of growth in the run-up to the 19th party congress because he didn't want a crisis but they're going to have to pay for this because at some point there's going to be a reconciliation there's going to be an adjustment where you know we see this in every country that has this un you know this big run-up in indebtedness so
0: the washington post uh beijing bureau chief simon denyer uh talking about the speech today said that she outlined a vision of total control, not only of the nation's economy and the Internet, but also of culture, religion, and morals. How important is it for Xi Jinping's uh, success, survival, et cetera, to maintain total control?
1: Well, he thinks it it's, it's absolutely essential. I mean, he does have this Maoist vision. Um, we know that you know when he became general secretary at the end of 2012. In the three or four months, there were so many um, of his rhetorical bows to Mao, visiting Maoist places, um, you know, spouting Maoist lines. And indeed, in this work report uh, today, there was a phrase that uh, didn't get much attention, but uh, Xi Jinping said there. Great struggles, quote unquote, ahead. Well, struggles is one of Mao's famous phrases. You know, Mao was the idea of permanent and continuous revolution. Um, he talked about struggles, and so what we're hearing is language from the 1950s and 1960s, except that now is certainly in you know the 21st century. It's really out of place. Um, but nonetheless, it is a sign of Xi Jinping's mind. And he absolutely believes it's essential, you know, not only for his own position in the party, absolute control, but the absolute control of the party over society. Um, I think it's it's absolutely counterproductive to the control of the Communist Party, but that's not the way they see it in Beijing.
0: There was one bit of the uh, of the president's speech that I found particularly inspiring personally, Inspiring! Oh, here it comes. (laughs) Um, Xi Jinping called uh, on on everyone to resist the vices of pleasure-seeking,
1: inaction, sloth, and problem avoidance. uh, This is the idea of the perfectibility of man, which underlines socialism, which really is is you know very much you know a throwback um, not only to the 1950s but to you know the 19th century. Um, You know this idea that uh, work harder. Yes, work harder, um, you know, strive harder, you know, all the rest of it, build a perfect society, um, and you know, people thought, and I can understand this because I thought this when I, when I arrived in China in 1996, when we moved to Shanghai. you know, I thought, well, that all of that was gone, and I can remember um, my wife getting on the phone as soon as we arrived and saying, "Mom, China's not communist anymore." and I agreed with her. But, you know, as we lived there, um, we saw that it indeed was communist, even then. And now, of course, even more so under Xi Jinping. So this really is, you know, the throwback to a very dark time in the history of the People's Republic. And I'm afraid that really China's future is its past. Gordon Chang, thanks for joining us
0: on The Daily Standard Podcast.
1: Oh, thank you so much, Eric. Support for The
0: Daily Standard Podcast comes from Tracker, Your phone, your wallet, your keys, you know they're plotting against you, hiding somewhere, trying to make you late. How are you going to find them? Eight years ago, Tracker changed everything when they released their first tracking device. And now they've done it again with the all-new Tracker Pixel. With Tracker Pixel, you'll never worry about losing your things again. Tracker Pixel is the lightest Bluetooth tracking device on the market. Place Tracker Pixel on whatever you tend to lose, keys, wallets, even your cat. It's small enough to fit anywhere. When you misplace an item that has a tracker pixel attached, use your smartphone and a 90 decibel alert will help you find it in seconds. It even has powerful LED lights so you can find anything even in the dark. You can even locate your item if it's miles away because every tracker user is part of the largest crowd locating network in the world. It's like Waze for finding stuff. Tracker's 30 day money back guarantee means you truly have nothing to lose. Go to the slash standard to get 20% off any order. That's spelled T-H-E-T-R-A-C-K-R dot com slash standard for 20% off. That's it for today's Daily Standard podcast. I'm Eric Felton. Catch you next time.